Let's cover in prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the word of God. We thank you, Father, for a special stirring as we seek and answer a call, a special call for a special time here on earth. Help us, Father, to let it resonate inside our spirits. We're seeking the understanding and the wisdom of the word that goes along with the revelation of the Spirit in the unction of the Holy Spirit inside of us at this hour, in this moment, in this time, together in unity, Father. So Holy Spirit, take over, be blessed. Thank you for a sharp word of God. Thank you, Father, that we continue to build a firm foundation in the word of God and that you continue to pour out fresh revelation upon us in your spirit, even unto our spirits. Be blessed. God our Father, Jesus our Savior, Holy Spirit our teacher, our comforter, our source of joy. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. There's a special scripture that is now resonating throughout the earth and beginning to really settle in. It's the precursor of the fullness of this anointing the anointing of the Holy Spirit specially custom-tailored in this hour uh, to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. As I've been proclaiming and teaching <laughs> for 40 years, hard to believe, um, that this day and hour was coming, and now it's coming upon us with an intensity. And we'll deal with that a little bit today. But right now, if we could just turn on our scriptures to the book of Malachi, chapter 4 in verse 5. I want to declare this scripture together as we set the tone for this morning. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers unless I come and strike the earth with a curse. Yes, now, we dealt with this in some depth this last Tuesday night on Top Flight Tuesday. We will continue to build with it, giving a firm understanding of what is going on when there's a reason to celebrate. God's people in Scripture always celebrated. When there was a battle that was won of victory, when they came out of of slavery. Uh, how about in Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 43, it says, In that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. And the woman and the children also rejoiced, so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard afar off. You know, we can hear the tinglings coming from heaven right now. How many of you are convinced that this is the time to have a strong urgency and expectancy to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord? We know it. We feel it. We no longer are those that are asking somebody to show us a roadmap of prophecy and eschatology. Those days have sort of waned away because... First of all, many of them got it wrong. Secondly, 
no one knows the hour and the time, but he said we would know the season and we would see it. We would see it not only with our eyes, but we would feel it with our spirit. And something, something is falling upon the earth. And we are those that are prepared the way. And we have been cautious, haven't we? We've said, I'm not going to just jump in arrogantly and think that I have all the understanding to know what to do. It's pretty basic, it's pretty simple with our commission and our call. However, there's a price that we pay to be in that place and to be accepted. So I wanna go through some PowerPoints with you, some understandings with you, lay a quick foundation, and hopefully you're going to be able to understand the world that we're living in a little bit better when you're done this morning with me. If you're online, I don't think you're gonna to wanna to miss this. I will try not to be controversial, but you already know that's not gonna happen. And I'm certainly going to get my best effort not to be offensive. So I asked you Tuesday night, pray for me that I will be able to have a sense and a balance of a message and an assignment that is upon my life, but also never forfeiting great grace. We are a house and a ministry of apostolic grace. Without grace, everything else doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what's in our mind. It doesn't matter how scientific, how theological, how many degrees, how much teaching, how many gifts we think we have. What matters most of all is that grace of God through our lives and our hearts that is just crusted with the icing of love, the Father's love. The same love the Father had for the Son, the Son for, the, for us, and that the Father had for us who gave us the Son. So, some PowerPoints as we consider that if these indeed are those days of Elijah now, and by the way, that song was written by Robin Mark, and it's been uh, replayed by several people. Most of us know it uh, from Paul Wilbur and Days of Elijah, which he's actually worshipped with us here. And a uh, little footnote, a little anecdote, I uh, exchanged communications with Paul about a week ago. We were checking on each other, and uh, he's, he's pretty much you know, sheltered in, going out, not admitting it out. And I said, Paul, I said, what do you feel about getting back here this year? And he wrote back, he said, I need a touch of heaven. And uh, so I said, we're going to have you back this year, and we want to celebrate. We'll do it as a POTUS Shield event. Uh, we'll make it a prophetic moment in time. And we will also do it for seeking the Lord of the anointing, uh, of the Elijah anointing. Now, before I start further with that, I want you to understand something. That's not a different spirit than the Holy Spirit. It is He, the Holy Spirit. But it is custom-tailored for this hour and this time, just like there have been outpourings of God and God's movements in the body of Christ and precedent within the Old Testament in our understandings. God moved upon Moses, God moved upon David, God moved upon Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all of the prophets, both major and minor, God moved upon them with a special anointing. But he told us that there would be a second 
coming, a second outpouring of the spirit of Elijah for this day in this hour. And we understand that it has a very special fabric to that mantle. And that fabric is sewn in the zeal of the Lord. And what it is is to turn the hearts of the children to the fathers and the fathers to the children. That's one of the things that we see as a fundamental element of how the father's looking at that. Why? Why is that? What does it mean? Well, let's just lay some quick points out, some quick PowerPoints, if you will. Number one, God created man because the heart of the father desired a family. Let that soak in for a moment. God created man, species man, both male and female, because the heart of the father desired a family. And the basis, the cause, his motivation is love. And we understand that God also sacrificed everything in his son, Jesus Christ. God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son to redeem and recover man back into his family. It's all about the father and his family. So no wonder Malachi heard and saw that this would be a time when the Lord would pour out a special anointing, a special call, a special power through the Holy Spirit, a special love, a special healing, a restoration to restore the hearts of fathers to children and children to fathers, because that's the heart of the Father. Number two, how many of you know that the earth is the reason for the heavens? Hmm? Let's just quickly understand that as we read in Genesis that the earth was already created when, and was held in place by the word of God when he spoke into being the suns, the moons, the stars, and the planets. It wasn't just a planet that was added in as creation of the universe. The universe was added in to support the earth. Now, some may say that's quite arrogant for us to be a little speck in a big universe. Well, I have a great God who likes to deal in little things. And so the Lord created the whole universe for the earth. Let that soak in a moment. And, and that's proven by Genesis, unless you don't want to accept it. We're not going to read it now. But for those of you who want to study Genesis 1, 14 through 19, it doesn't fear, infer clearly that the reason for the universe is the earth. Now, man, number three, is the reason for the earth. Man is the reason for the earth. So before all of the stars could tell of their glory to God, Psalms 19, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament therein, right? That is all the presence of the glory of God is contained in these heavens. So they have a way of declaring and showing God glory. But before they could, before all of that could happen, the Lord raised the foundations of the earth. And before the first light burst through the dark, he said, let there be light. The earth was already created. So God added everything around the earth. Now, science will try to convince us something different and tries to put time clocks on it. But you see, that just erodes and takes away the significance of the father and his family. How important you are to father God. 
Let that soak into you for a moment. He created everything for your pleasure. And all things are created for your pleasure through Jesus Christ. Oh, I'm feeling a tremendous anointing flowing up here with that. It's incredible. It's amazing. It's astounding. It is the heart of the great creator God. Creator God. Think about that a moment. God, the creator, the ultimate creator, the, that he had a yearning, a yearning that he couldn't satisfy that was deep and passionate and eternal inside of himself. God himself. And it was this primordial, primordial passion that God had in him for children. He wanted a family. Now, he had already created angels, but they're servants. They're not children. They weren't made in an essence to be like in the image of God. They were different beings, angelic beings. They have some of the attributes of God in, in the sense of they escape time and other things like that and how they travel and that they're spirits and they can move and all those other things. But only one creature creation after everything was formed for earth was in the image and likeness of God. And that was Adam and Eve and pro-created the progenitors for you and I and our entire species. And we understand that there was treason. Adam and Eve, they, 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 they performed treason away from God. But God said, I'm not going to let it escape. I want my family. I want my family back, past, present, future. So he sent Jesus Christ, the Son. And the Son came into the world with one purpose, one passion, to redeem the species man, both male and female, for the family, for eternal life. Think about the plan. Let it soak into you for a moment, and you'll begin to appreciate what you have an opportunity to do at this point in all of eternity after all of this creation of the universe, of the earth, of man, and the recreation, the recreation of man in the image of Jesus Christ bought by the blood, the price that he paid, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, all of this for this moment because God is not done redeeming. And so the, the internal inner passion of the heart of the Father is a plan to repatriate his family with him forever. And not only that, but also to reclaim this earth. I don't know if you understand it, but right now the earth is not in a regenerated form. Those of us who know Christ are, but the earth itself this system, the earth, is degenerated. It, there's a different God that moves in this atmosphere of the earth, and we know who that is. Who is the prince of this world? So we need to understand that God is working to reclaim this kingdom, this earth that he perfectly created, and to restore his family back on this earth with his son as king. This is the mega plan of God. It's the kingdom of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. These two passions. And we understand that Paul tells us in the book of Ephesians that all fatherhood is headed up in God. Let's look for a very moment in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14 and appreciate this ministry of the fatherhood of God. You know, one time I was in Africa 
And uh, I went there to start laying foundations in our very first Touch Heaven Africa church. And I realized after I listened to them for the first day, I didn't speak the first day, I just received it. Um, and then, then we went through seven days of a huge conference in the middle of the jungle, and that launched Touch Heaven Africa. I realized that they had no relationship with the Father. They knew Jesus. They knew the Holy Spirit. They didn't know the Father. They had never moved into a relationship with the Father. And the pastor there, who's now our bishop and one of our spiritual sons and family with Touch Heaven, he was trained in a Bible college for one year in Africa, and he told me afterwards that they spent very little time in the Old Testament, and they spent most of their time in Jesus, and then he had to extend himself for the Holy Spirit. And that's good. That's good. But when I released the knowledge and the revelation of the Father and prayed a simple prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Here on earth as it is in heaven, that's as far as we got for the first day. And we fell on our faces in the power of God, and God moved, and the love and revelation of the Father was poured into their hearts by spirit and power, not by my words. And so now the Lord is calling us back. He's calling the body of Christ. He's calling the earth to a repatriation with the Father who has created us. And so Ephesians 3, for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father. Say, to the Father. I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Now, we understand what our names are. We understand our surnames, don't we? We understand that we are identified by our family and by our culture and by who we are, by what we call in this country our last name. Some cultures, people retain every name that their family ever had. They have 20 names, 15 names, 10 names, mother, father's side, especially in Hispanic culture. You get a lot of names involved sometimes. And man, it was a real awakening to me, but by that they could link who and where they came from. Sometimes the names would include the geography of where they came from, the city where they could be identified, the region of the earth that they came from. All of this moving in that well, we have the last name, whatever that is, the identity name, all names, both in heaven and on earth, are by the Father. The whole family in heaven and earth is named with the Father's name. Now, we understand number four. What is the reason for man? We've discovered what man's reason was on earth, why God created man. Now, what is the reason for man? Well, when we understand that, that God spent all of this time, all of these resources, all of his plan to focus on man, species man, both male and female, then we understand that man's purpose, man's purpose is to love God, to love the Father. And that's the first commandment, isn't it? Love the Lord thy God. And Jesus said, I'll give you no greater commandment. Love your neighbor even as you love yourself. It's all about the love of God. Let's look for a moment at Ephesians chapter 1 uh, and starting in verse 3. I love this blessing that Paul pours out. He says, blessed be the God and Father 
of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, point made here, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. He predestined us to be adopted as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, and this was according to his good pleasure of his will to the praise and glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in his beloved. And then we understand it's the mystery of the will to redeem everything for the Father. This is the mystery of the will of the Father to redeem everything, everything back into his fullness and his will. The earth and everything that's in it and all of people. So, again, what is the purpose of man? The purpose of man is to serve and love God. The purpose of man is to not only love God, but to serve God. And Jesus made it very clear for us. He gave us a commission. Go. He said, go, which means don't keep it for yourself. Some people think it's literally they have to go somewhere. Some are called, some are not. The real key is we don't keep it for ourselves. Go. And he said, preach the gospel and spread the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God and the gospel. Those are our fundamental foundations of what we're called to do. But now there's a little cherry on the top of the cake. And that's because of the time that we have been privileged to have been born into. Let that soak in again also for a moment. What a privilege it is to live in this day. Now, there might be some who say, I don't know, Pastor, is that really true? I mean, how come I have to live when cities are being put on fire and we see, you know, so much uh, crime and we see fathers denying children and children denying fathers and we see the nuclear family under attack and we live in a time when we're watching our, our, our rights and our liberties be eroded and, and, and we have a COVID and we don't know what else is coming and, and there's a shaking in the earth and another one coming. Well, think about this a moment. Maybe you wouldn't and maybe you would, but if you were given the opportunity to be one of the disciples of Christ, would you turn it down because you were going to be martyred? I see a lot of heads saying no. I don't know if that means no, I don't want to be, or no, I wouldn't turn it down. But it is that critical. It is that critical here on earth that God is bringing together, assembling an end-time body of believers that are willing to be hot and on fire with passion for him to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. And we're discovering how we do that. Well, first of all, we need to prepare ourselves, don't we? We need to shed off sin. We need to not practice sin. We need to confess sin as fast as it might come upon us or that we act in it. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to refine us. I've met with more than a few of you who have told me something's going on inside of me, and sometimes it will stir up an insecurity where one might think, am I missing something? Did I do something wrong? I assure you, you have not. You are being refined in the fire. For the spirit of Elijah fire to flow through you for these last days, to be a powerhouse for God, to be a spiritual force with passion to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. 
And because you've stepped out and you've said, I don't understand what's going on, but I feel the draw. I want to come. Because you have a passion for God, then God is saying, okay, I'm going to use you, but I'm going to perfect you as best I can so that you're a holy vessel, a sacred vessel, a vessel that's armed and equipped and qualified for the precious anointing of the Elijah Spirit of the Holy Spirit pouring out upon those who will in the earth today. The voice of Christ cried out for that in the book of Revelation, and we understood it in chapter 3 when he cried out to the church of Laodicea. And all of the other churches, by the way, have something appropriate as we look and prepare ourselves. But especially, we know there are three categories, the hot, the lukewarm, and the cold. Well, there's no doubt that those who are going to and are operating in the spirit of Elijah, that power, that end-time power to prepare the way for God, must be hot. Lukewarm won't get it. Cold's not even close. You must be hot. And we understand that in this hour and in this time, God is moving very fast. Things are accelerating. And God will begin to judge the church very shortly. That is the word of God. What does it mean, judge the church? God's going to sift between the sheep and the goats. He's going to release his cattle. Ezekiel 34 says he's going to break it. I believe he's doing it right now. The yokes that have been upon the necks of some sheep. And it says that the shepherds have been feeding themselves of what God intended for the sheep and are not even leaving crumbs or residue for the sheep. But God says, no more. I'm going to break them out and I'm going to put them in a new pasture and they're going to lie down in a good fold and they're going to lie down in my safety, in my preservation, in my deliverance. They're going to lie down in my provision and they're going to lie down in my direction. And that's what he's doing. And you'll see it more and more and more. Some will come, some will not. And the business of the ministry is being tested and is going to be tested all over the place. False prophetic voices will be stopped up and made foolish. God says that. He hates the false prophetic voice. We discussed and discovered Tuesday night that the spirit of the prophetic spirit of Baal is operating in the body of Christ today. That's a sad thing to say, but it's there. What is it? It's the prophetic gift of God for sale. It's the prophetic gift of God that's used for marketing. It's the prophetic gift of God that's used for self-ambition. And we will discover that Elijah and John the Baptist both shared some very significant characteristics. One of those was the fear of the Lord. They feared God at the root, the very root of everything they did. They obeyed God they were humble before God, and they would not compromise God for self-gain. Let that soak in for a moment. Beloved, you're going to see things that you haven't seen before in short order. We want to be prepared. I've often said that one of the greatest ways we prepare ourselves for faith is in faith before we need it, right? If something suddenly comes upon you and it catches you off guard and you haven't prepared yourself in the Word of God, in the prayer of God, in the Spirit of God, then you are in chaos. You're circling around in derision. You're trying to find out what to do and how to do it, and you're reaching out all over the place. 
when really, if we're already prepared, we're not caught off guard, are we? We have already made decisions in our life. What am I going to do when someone tries to bribe me? What am I going to do when somebody speaks offensively against me? What am I going to do when somebody uh, uh, treats me or my family in a certain way? What am I going to do when I'm put into a hardship financially? What am I going to do when I'm challenged with a disease or somebody else's disease? What am I going to do when the doctor gives a prognosis or a diagnosis? What am I going to do when a family member is in disobedience and shaming me. What am I going to do? We make up our mind ahead of time. We make up our heart. We set our heart. We set our faith. And we say, I shall not be moved because of who God is in me and I in him. And that is the clarion call of the Elijah spirit in this hour. We're getting prepared because we don't know what's coming, but we know stuff is coming. Isaiah told us, arise and shine. Gross darkness is covering the earth, but the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. We also know that he says, come in under my shelter and I will keep you safe under my wings. We know all the promises of God. Gross darkness is creeping over all the earth. A spirit of delusion has been loosed upon the earth and with it is lawlessness. How many of us can deny lawlessness on our streets in this day and in this order? And how many of us can deny that for some reason there seems to be this conspiracy? They, there's conspiracy theories. Well, I'll tell you who the conspirator is. His name is Satan, and his kingdom is evil. And he'll use whomever he can, wherever he can, whenever he can. And he'll put minds and activities here and minds and activities there. And someone would think that there's some great force that's pushing all the buttons. I've got news for you, conspiratists. And I'm not standing up for any of them. But Bill Gates is not running the world. Hello? Bill Gates is not running the world. I love it when people come and tell me that. I love it when they tell me about this great conspiracy group. That's con they're not doing it. His name is the prince of the world and his name is Satan. And he'll use whomever he shall use, however he can use them. So get your minds off of the people of the world and put them where it needs to be. And that is on our Lord Jesus Christ, our God Almighty, and the power of the Holy Spirit. And let's not deal in flesh and blood, but let's deal in spirit. We don't want to tangle in flesh and blood because then we're no better off than the rest of the world. We're not moving in any spirit that's of God, let alone the Holy Spirit and the spirit of Elijah. The spirit of Elijah overcomes. And we have more than what Elijah have. We have the blood of Jesus Christ. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. And our word of our testimony says, I've been made for this hour. I have been created by God from before the beginning of time. I'm not out of place. I'm not ill-equipped. I'm not disqualified. I am here because God put me here. I have a calling and I'm powerful. I can do all things that he gives me to do through Christ who strengthens me. And he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. I don't care how much money they have. I don't care how much power they have. I don't care what they say or what they do or what they don't do or what they don't say. My God has declared, and because he has declared, I shall see it come to pass. That is the fortitude of the person of the spirit of Elijah. 
in this hour. Yes, it's the same faith we're supposed to have, and they should have had all the way through time. But you know, there was an Elijah that had to rise up against Ahab. There was an Elijah that had to rise up against the prophets of Baal. There was an Elijah that had to rise up and grab his moment, grab his time, and say, I'm shaking it. I'm not letting it go. There was a John the Baptist who came in the spirit of Elijah. He had to rise up in his hour and in his moment and in his time. He wasn't looking for affirmation from the religious forces. He certainly wasn't getting accepted by the secular. He was strange. He was weird. But he knew his God in the time that he was called in. And he didn't even understand that it was his family. He was beyond that understanding, that revelation, because God wanted to make sure that he didn't have a free pass. He wanted to make sure that his heart was unto God. And he had one call, prepare for the kingdom of God. Jesus himself said the kingdom of God is at hand. Prepare for the kingdom of God. And the Lord is crying out to you and I today, prepare for the kingdom of God. Beloved, whenever I feel intimidated, and I do, whenever I feel insecure, and I do, I'm not afraid to confess myself to you. I don't confess it publicly because I'm not going to get into that dialogue with the spirits of the air. I'm not going to sit and debate with myself. But when I do, I know what to do. I know I need to withdraw. I know I need to fast. I know I need to pray. I know I need to break it through. I know I need to stop those voices and hear the one pure voice. I know I need to grab that word of God and fresh revelation. And you know ultimately what I do? This is what I do. Maybe it works for you. Maybe it doesn't. I close my eyes in a dark place. I shut everything off and I say, Lord, can I just get a glimpse of the return of Jesus? Can I just see a glimpse of the glory of the Father returning Jesus to earth? Can I just get a glimpse of the saints of God rushing out and celebrating the return? Can I just get that swell tide deep inside of my spirit, Father? For Lord, I have a passion, I have a desire, I have a yearning. It's just like the prophet that was in the temple waiting for the Savior to be born. And when he was born, that old man went and crumbled and crippled, looked upon that body, that little child. He says, my eyes have seen the glory. This is the one who was promised. He said, now I'm ready to go. He's ready to leave. That's what I say to the Lord. Lord, I want to see that glory whether I'm here or not. And I don't believe I will be, but I believe many of you will be. I know who I am and what I'm called to do. But I say, Lord, that means I'll be coming with him to see some of my friends here on this earth. Will you just give me a glimpse of it? And something happens like that old hymn. When we begin to focus on the things of God, the things of this earth get dim and they pass away. Focus on the calling and the blessing of God and who you are in Him and the time that you live in. Our Father is a source. Just go with me for a moment to the book of John, chapter 17, verse 6, where Jesus makes this declaration. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were world, yours. You gave them to me, 
and they have kept your word, manifested their name. That means he made it alive. He brought it to life. He brought the Father to life. Jesus came to bring the Father to life for us. It wasn't just a person getting a burning bush experience. It's all the family of God getting the fire of the Father through the Holy Spirit. Jesus said he manifested that unto us. And this, for this reason, verse 11, same book, John chapter 17. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. I come to you, Holy Father. Keep them through your name, those whom you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. That wraps it up. That tells us what it's all about for the Father and the Son. It's to make you one with Him. It's to make you no different. Again, recreated in His image and in His likeness. All the abundance of heaven available to all of us here on this earth now. Keep them on this earth, Father. I'm not asking that you take them away. I'm asking that you keep it here. Give it to them right here in the present and in the now. He again says the prayer in verse 21, emphasizing, emphasizing how important it is to be one, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. When we're saying that Jesus is coming, we're not those that are without the faith and understanding that he already came once. One time I was there when Teddy Colick announced in Jerusalem, I, there was, were prophetic words, they resonated throughout Christendom, and it was interesting because I heard it preached at least a hundred times after that, I preached it a few times myself. We were sitting there on the stage of the Benyanea Uma, and there must have been three, four, five thousand Christians in the auditorium. We were celebrating, and the backdrop was Jerusalem, Jerusalem of gold. We sang the song, Jerusalem of Gold, and uh, Teddy Colley came up to give a little message. Teddy was the famous mayor of Jerusalem, who was accredited with being able to bridge between the Arabs and the Jews and bring peace in that period and that time in Jerusalem. The most famous mayor that Jerusalem ever had. And Teddy was a shorter guy, and he came out, and he was a bit old. I imagine he was about 80 at that time, I don't know. And I remember him coming out a little feeble, but tough. And he got to the microphone and he said, my Christian friends, we are so happy to welcome you here to Jerusalem, the place that you know for yourselves that your Savior was born, the place of many faiths and many religions. And he said, we all agree on this one thing, both Jews and Christians alike, that the hope, the promise, the salvation of Jerusalem and Israel is the Messiah. He said, and we both agree that he's coming back, Teddy Colick, 1986, I think, that he's coming back and that he's coming soon. And he says, and he's coming here to the city of Jerusalem. So that passion that's inside of us is for the second coming of our Lord and Savior. That's what we've been born to not only preach, but to live and expect. And it's an exciting time. 
People need a good word today. Well, you are qualified. You are empowered to not only tell them about the Jesus who came, but tell them about the Messiah who's coming back. Let them understand that, yes, I'm not going to candy coat this for you. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a motivational speaker. I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, your financial advisor. I'm not your teacher. I'm not your mother, unless you are somebody's mother. I tell everybody that comes to me, then you want to cry on my shoulder. I say, I'm not your mother. I'm not made that way. But listen to me. We have another message for them. And that message is, yes, it's, it's bad. And guess what? It's going to get worse. And you're going to have a hard time sustaining in it. But I have good news for you. Jesus is coming back. And that same Jesus whom you looked upon once is coming back again. And that same Jesus is available for you now. And with him in you, you will overcome all of this. That's the message of Elijah in this hour. Prepare the way for the coming of the Lord and prepare people to sustain in this hour and in this time. Father, keep them through your name. So this is what we invest ourselves into. We are those who understand the time that we live in. The fourth commandment of the Ten Commandments from our Father God says, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land which the Lord your God gives you. Honor your father and mother, that your days might be long in the promises that God gives you. The kingdom of God, because of the heart of the Father, is all about honor. Honor. Honor the Father. Father, honor the children. And so, even though we see the family structure decaying before our very eyes here and around the earth, communist countries did everything they could to alienate children from their identity and their families. Every time a culture takes over another culture, they destroy the males and they take the children, they rape the women so that they procreate a different type of person and they take the children from them. And here we see a different rape going on in this country, a spiritual raping, trying to take away the identity of fatherhood and motherhood and the family. Tuesday night, I read a mission statement. When I was done, I think one person actually knew what the source of that was. And that mission statement used the word comrade many times. That mission statement said that it was there to replace, to destroy the nuclear family. It never mentioned man, male, or father once. It talked about elevating the role of the mother, the transgender, the transvestite, the lesbian, the homosexual, and totally destroying the nuclear family identity of man and the father. Now, when you understand the time we live in and the spirit that God's releasing, are you surprised that the prince of this world, that the spirit of Antichrist, was, which is the opposite of the spirit of Elijah that's operating in the earth today, would find itself opposed to God's call to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers? And just like every time, those that don't know their God, that are being used for the purposes of evil, they will wrap it around another cause. 
They will give it a cause that seemeth right. And people will run to that cause because it seems right for the time and place and their comfort and their need. And ignorantly, they will promote something that they don't understand at the very core of it, hates God. That's what's happening in this country right now. You read the mission statement, you know what I'm talking about. I'm not here to strike down causes. I'm here to lift up the cause of preparing the way for the coming of the Lord. And I'm exposing that spirit because I know what God's spirit is crying out in this hour and in this day. There's answers to all the problems that any society has. And those answers are when good people with good morals in peace operate to prove God here on earth. That's the answer. Anything short of that isn't going to get it done. Anything short of that is nothing but a diversion. Amen. So I'm cutting short, of course. I've got much more. I invite you to tune in Tuesday or come here Tuesday for Top Flight Tuesday. We are taking our time and going through stuff which the Lord said was an eight-week journey. Well, the eighth week will be this Tuesday. I'm expecting there to be a release of something, but I don't think it's the finale. I believe God has just put us upon the path that we're going, that we've begun to see clearly about preparing the way for the coming of the Lord. He's got so much in store for you and me and all of you online, so much for you. He's got more than you can imagine, but we need to take the steps, and we need to make a commitment, and we need to answer the call. We need to say, yes, Lord, count me worthy. And it doesn't mean that we're all called to do the same thing. Thank God for that. It means that we do what we can do at the time we're supposed to do it. That's what it means in the place that we're at. We happen to be unified here together. We have an understanding. We have a mission statement. And so we go forward in that. And God makes a way. You don't have to make your own way. Just be obedient to what God gives us to do at the time he gives it. And one thing I remembered when uh, I was asked to give a motivation and a goal and a slogan for the championship run for the first YSU uh, championship football team with uh, Jim Tressel. I was on that staff. And, and I found that scripture that said, whatever you set your hands to do, do it with excellence. And that became our slogan all the way through the playoffs to the championship game that we won. Whatever you do, put your hands to do it with excellence unto God. That's what we're called to do. Whatever it is, do it with all your might, with what you have. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Jesus.